Welcome to The Difference Engine, the show for founders, funders, and the category curious. Don't confuse size, don't confuse valuation with category leadership. I'm not the only person frustrated by this. You disagree with my analysis. I do. You either acquire or you are acquired. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And it's proof that you're winning the argument. We all know history is written by the winners. Hello and welcome. Take your shoes off and step inside the Difference Engine. Today we'll be asking if it's time for some recategorization in SaaS. What Zuckerberg really means when he talks about the year of efficiency and what are the key ingredients for the perfect lightning strike. But first, why have people got it in for Europe? People say Europeans cannot do categories. And we've sort of alluded to that a lot, but certainly our friends across the pond think we can't do categories. Maybe they're just not looking hard enough. And I think there's one really good example where we have built a company that has created a, a new category, has become its leader. And interestingly, it's in a space where anybody who's ever traveled or done business or lived in the States will know that America is not too strong on, and that is retail banking. Oh, they sound like very wise men. Who are we talking about? Oh, yeah, and they've made some really wise moves. In, in fact, we're talking about wise. What we love about wise is that they established the company in true category style uh, to address a clear business customer problem. And that problem was sending money abroad via the usual suspect existing financial institutions, you know, the retail banks. The problem that anybody who ever tried to do it encountered was that it was too expensive and too difficult to do. Yeah, well, full disclosure, we use that across a couple of businesses, actually. And the product does what it says on the tin. We like it. I will be buying shares in this company. I just like where they're going. And uh, I think they've got every sign of being the category leader, to be honest. From a category perspective, what the, what the guys did was reframe the international money transfer category. But why is this important? Well, because they completely reframed it by providing an entirely different customer experience, you know, delivered through a platform on your PC, but particularly in the mobile environment. We use the product. We like the product. They focus relentlessly on the user. They're constantly slightly tweaking the customer experience. They know, for instance, if you want to make a repeat payment, that stuff's ready to go. And it just says, do you want to make a repeat payment? They focused on the problem that the customer's got. And just like we talked about before with Uber, where emergent properties come from this in terms of, you know, who knew that you didn't have to wait in the rain, get into a smelly black cab, have the guy do the usual charade, which happened to me last night again. Oh, the machine's broken. Do you happen to have cash? No, I don't. Let's drive you to a cash point. I mean, like all of the crapola that Uber got rid of, these guys have done the same thing but for money payments. It's, it's fabulous. We know that the tech environment is turbulent at the moment. You know, We know investments are up and down. But this company has actually raised its profit guidance for the year because it had a booming customer numbers. Brilliant. You know, that's absolutely down to them. And it's had the fair winds behind it of bumper income from 
rising interest rates all the way through. You know, so we know in business, you know, good luck and good management, and they are benefiting from both. Now, that is particularly important because, you know, we've talked about this before again, which is that the Harvard Business Review article looking at category identified that the category leader took 70% of the value in that marketplace. And this is exactly what Wise is doing. Shout out to, to Reid Hoffman. He was decrying how Silicon Valley is the only place where real categories can be born. He would say that, wouldn't he? When he was at the COGX Festival, and at the time, his interviewer just took that as read. I'm sure the founders of Wise would like to tell Mr. Hoffman that their um, market capitalization has climbed 33% since the beginning yeah. of the year. And let's not forget, okay, the share prices is off a little bit from the 11 billion on IPO. But these guys just went ahead and did it. They did it in the UK. That is a choice that faces a lot of founders. We've got clients that are currently mulling that over raising money in the States right now. And they will face this same dilemma. And Wise is a beacon that says, you can do this in London. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing I really like about the Wise story is that through successful category creation, through market domination, their founders are now spinning out and creating new categories. Quite right. Properly funded. Yeah, bootstrapped by their own previous success. Exactly. From their previous category success. And that's that's what we've been trying to create in Europe over the years, a self-sustaining tech ecosystem. Yeah, we want this organic flywheel approach where category is designed, leads, uh, there's an exit. And maybe the secret to category success from a European point of view is to focus on the areas where our American friends don't do so well. They ain't so good at banking. And I think it's easy to dismiss Europe's chances in category creation and in tech generally because of you know, historical culture, complicated markets, lazy finance and so on. Um, but I, I genuinely believe with a bit of relentless category strategy, Europe has as much chance as anybody else in creating the category winners. I hope so. And I do think it's around picking the right types of category. For instance, the Lloyd's Lab fifth birthday event was was very inspirational. You've got the CEO of Lloyd's sitting up talking about Lloyd's Lab, which is their accelerator, how successful it's been. Over 100 companies have gone through there and they're going to the States. So we're taking our expertise at tech innovation back to the US. And you'll notice, just like Wise, this is the finance sector. Good, and long may that continue. Sorry to uh, to sound a little bit jubilant, but this is one for for our team, I would say, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. We will take this one for the team. That's very wise. Let's get going with this one. The tech session is raging on. And the question is, are we heading towards the tech-pocalypse? This tech recession, tech session, really started to bite in about very early 2022. All the commentary at the time was, oh, it'll be over over pretty quickly. You know, there's a whole load of dry powder uh, waiting to be spent. And the question we have to ask is, where is that dry powder? What's actually happening? And from a category point of view, is this going to stymie all of those amazing inventors and, and entrepreneurs out there ready to build their categories? Is it all over for these guys? Is this, in fact, the tech apocalypse? We have to ask the question, is it that companies that have been created by buying customers on the, on the back of cheap money, they're just no longer viable, no matter how much cost is stripped out? History shows that interest rates go up. It has a lot of effects. And certainly this interest rate rise has had a direct effect on the certainly the sentiment and the optimism 
or lack thereof in the tech sector. Now, you know, buying yourself a market by buying those customers looks properly expensive. We've heard this over and over again, haven't we, Paul? It's like VCs telling companies they need to be more efficient. But prior to that, of course, they were telling them the exact opposite. And so it was okay if you were the number five in a category, you'd still get funded and the VCs would still exit. That's all stopped now. So it's a bit like, you know, using our favorite surfing analogy, it's as if the, the sort of waves have calmed down and it's only those with the proper amount of momentum and a bit of technique can surf towards the shore. Everyone else going to sink. Yeah, most people are surfing mud right now. That's the problem. And, you know, inflation's making even B-player employees look for raises. You know, lots of people looking for the sort of raises that they can have in the good times, whilst also companies are laying off. And that's not the only cost that has risen. Well, cloud providers are jacking up the prices, aren't so, they? So, yeah. So, you see in, in places that perhaps they're not expecting us to look like South America, yep. the large cloud players are jacking their prices up 30%. It's coming here, and you're going to be paying more for your cloud providers, notwithstanding the fact that the UK government said there's going to be some sort of investigation into pricing. Well, that's great, but it's not going to report for two years, we hear. So, in the meantime, there's a lot of hardship to come. If you've done a cut or two in your business and you think you're done, your investors may not agree. Now, there may be an upside here. You know, one of the things we saw in previous expansions and contractions is that some of the folks that made good, and I'm thinking of the people, you know, the, the PayPal mafia, the folks at Meta, the 100 plus companies that the alumni of, of Skype have now set up, and of course, Uber and all of those companies, these companies have spawned a diaspora of talent. But what we've seen this time is, I think, a pretty new phenomenon as tech has become more normalized in the economy of the tech tourists. Oh, come now. These are the ones who arrive from other industries, see the financial model, see the excess spending, take large salaries, money off the table and developments, you know, all paid for by the free money from investors that we've seen, and have had little expertise. And some of those companies are crashing quite spectacular. They are. And part of natural human schadenfreude, we sort of quite like to see some of the people getting their comeuppance. Well, it's but nice to see the market actually working. And, and, you know, if we get rid of some of these tourists, yeah, cause this uh, lot built many of out. whom are paid for out of the public purse. I mean, let's be clear about this. Yeah, We can actually start to build some really amazing new categories that will drive the industry forward. So it's bittersweet, but I suppose what we can say is after this year of efficiency, thank you, Mr. Zuckerberg, what we're seeing now is, is we can say cheerio to all the tech tourists and get on with building amazing new tech categories, which actually drive humanity forward. There's still some very serious work we think needs to happen yeah. right now. Yeah, now is the time to do it. One of the big things about category is doing things at the right time. And so one of the questions we've got is whether it's the right time for a recategorization and specifically SaaS software as a service. I think time could be running out for many SaaS companies and the categories. Let's remind ourselves, software as a service is not a category. All it really means is a different way of delivering software on a subscription model over the cloud. So every subcategory of SaaS, everything from file sharing through video products, through rev products, has at least one, possibly two leaders, and at least five to 10, maybe never going to make it. You've got this cornucopia of SaaS products. And what seems to have happened, as has happened in many cycles before, is that we've got sprawl. What that means is that we've got large corporations with different departments 
buying different solutions to their version of what is essentially the same problem. Now, what that means is if you're the CFO, you're writing checks for all this duplicated activity. And clearly when the economy starts to decline, the CFO's pencils start sharpening, some of that stuff's got to go. And if you are letting people go, people in the lines of business who have specified and bought those products and renewal time's coming, and you want to have a conversation about whether we're going to go for another 12 months, another three months, et cetera, and that person isn't there, you have a problem. I think the problem is compounded at the moment by the fact that a lot of the SaaS vendors are seeing this coming. And some of the big ones, you know, like Microsoft, Salesforce, have been ramming their prices up, maybe as much as 25%. So you've got declining demand, increasing prices. Now, this looks like a Mexican standoff between the vendors and the buyers. For sure. If you're like a tier two or tier three SaaS player in a category, and the big guys ramp up the prices, it's much easier for a chief financial officer to sanction another Teams license or some more Microsoft products or some more Salesforce or Slack products. Much easier to do that than company X I haven't heard of, not quite hit $100 million in ARR, small player, still trying to build out category. It's much easier to go with the big guys. And that's a huge problem if you're not differentiated. There's another big problem, which is the massive difference between ACV. Annualized contract value. A good healthy ACV is up there 120, 140,000 a year. But most people are down at 20, 30,000 a year. So this huge group of small companies doing low levels of transaction at low volumes of money. Yeah, so what's going to happen to all of these people? Listening to the advice that's given to these second-tier, third-tier SaaS companies, we'll hear a lot of gurus talk about PLG and product-led growth. It's great to have no sales guys and sell twenty-five dollars to $30,000 worth of SaaS products in the boom times when the person is in the line of business specifying that product. If they've gone and it's renewal time and there isn't a real person with a real relationship, that's a tough sell. Given the state of the market at the moment, what I can see is there's going to be a rapid concentration happening. You know, those with the wherewithal to go and buy their competitors are going to concentrate the market. But there's going to be a, a whole load of companies wondering, what do we do next? The smart thinkers will think category. To cut to the chase on, on all this, the woes with SaaS and why we think it's time for certainly those in larger SaaS categories to recategorize is, the shakeout's coming if it's not upon us. You see some really big acquisition moves. And as usual, the people who are first off the wall in the in the ballroom get to dance. And those that are left on the sidelines could be in a lot of trouble. Particularly those with low ACVs and low transaction volumes, they're going to have to reframe the, the customer demand. And sorry for the shameless plug, but if you need some help repositioning and recategorizing your products, we're here to help. got to learn to earn. A lightning strikes when all of the pre-work becomes public. It's when strategy becomes reality. But why is a lightning strike different from business as usual? And how do you capture that lightning? This is one of the most common questions we get about category. And this is where a lot of the confusion around marketing and category happens. So it's great to create an amazing category. And obviously, you need to bring that market to market. But it only results in revenues when you get out there 
and convince others of your point of view, which does involve some marketing, but it's not marketing. So what makes a lightning strike different from business as usual? And the first thing to say is, business as usual in marketing is spreading your budget like peanut butter nice and thin across the bread. But really, a lightning strike is the opposite of that. So it's every single bit of focus you can give it all at once to create a dramatic effect. Success or failure depends on that impact. And we have a few pointers as to what makes a great lightning strike. Yeah, well, our number one, and this is really, really important, is that lightning strikes have to have top-down sponsorship. And what we mean by that is the CEO. They have to be totally committed to the strike and they have to lead it 24-7. Yeah, and so we would expect the language of lightning strike to be used by the CEO and the senior leadership team. And we would expect a lightning strike team, a lightning strike plan. This might be just part of somebody's role, but really that team is all about delivering the strike and it cuts across lots and lots of different disciplines. And that senior leadership team, you know, should include the CSO, the CMO, the CFO, you know, that's your core four, as uh, we call it. And there's somebody else who's, frankly, we sometimes believe even more important than that senior leadership team. It's the project manager or strike lead, as we like to call it. And that person is going to make sure that every day, everything you need to do a strike is done and it's done properly. And you can start to talk with your colleagues about the date of strike and start sorting out what is achievable on strike. But in order to do that, you've really got to have an internal communications program that convinces and aligns your colleagues as to what exactly you're, do- you're doing. And most importantly, that would be the understanding of the point of view and the tactics that you are going to employ to do the lightning strike and what each person's role in the company is in achieving that strike. But it's not just the people on the inside. Pre-strike, you will need to secure customer and analyst allies. And certainly in the latter case, Analysts want to prosecute only their particular point of view of the marketplace. So you're going to need to search out the smart people who are ready to run with you. You know, this is where it gets tricky, right? So there are certain elements, certain parts of the project which are time-bound, the strike date, and there are other things you need to do beforehand. This is why you need to project manage it. So you need a couple of those customers to come on board. You might need to knock on a couple of doors before you get the right customer to say the right things. Analysts are even trickier, very long lead time. And as you say, their own agenda often. So pick the analysts that you think are going to be most beneficial to you. They may not and probably are not from the big analyst houses because they've got their own agendas. They may be people you've not spoken to ever or spoken to for years. But this work all happens beforehand and is ready so that on strike day, everything hits at once. Once you've done all that, there is the moment where the big intake of breath happens and you commit to burning the boats. That's the point of no return. And just to make this a little bit more interesting, when you are looking at the flames licking from your longships, you need to be thinking about out-of-the-box tactics if you're going to deliver a strike that's going to be memorable. I mean, one of the classic recent ones was, was Musk launching a Tesla into space to promote SpaceX. Yeah, that's a nice nice publicity tactic. But there are some classic advertising tactics. You know, how unusual is it for a company in your space to take out a full-page advert 
in The Economist, for instance, or The Wall Street Journal. Think about that. I mean, it, this is why the CFO needs to be aligned because you're going to be making a big ask. And rather than saying, I've got, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars to spread over six months, it's like, can I have a hundred thousand dollars for day one? Now, you know, that's a big cost, but you can defray it by making the fact that you've taken the advert part of your lightning strike. And one thing to do if this is your first tryout, like your first lightning strike might be just to announce the category. If that's the case, you may want to shepherd the information and keep the name of your category back until just before strike, build up the excitement, build everybody up so they know the lightning strike's happening on a certain date, then do the reveal, get everyone juiced up, and then go out with all aggression that you can. Very, very quickly, you need to figure out what impact those clever ideas and absolutely seamless deployment have had. So if you want to measure things, there's a series of different metrics. The first one, which we love in the many projects we've done in the area, this is the one that I think floats our boat the most, is when the competitors start reacting, you know, either rubbishing what is being said or very, very quickly changing their own strategy to mirror the new conditions that we've created in the marketplace. Yeah, and some of the out-of-the-box tactics we talked about are designed just for this purpose, just to create a reaction in the marketplace to differentiate yourself from everywhere else. You might, as Gainsight did, write the book on customer success, launching a car into space, pretty extreme. Um, you might decide to create badging for your service levels and so bring your customers along with you and announce that. You might do out of home advertising outside a major conference. You know, it's not a big cost. It's pretty guerrilla marketing, even if you're not attending that event. Uh, and these are all the sort of wacky tactics that you do. And one of the things, as you say, is you want the competition to react. And also you want the analysts to disagree. So it's all of your category. They would be the ones prosecuting it, which you don't want. You want it to be you. So a little bit of analyst disagreement, not a bad thing. But the other thing you've got to be looking for, and this is sort of the acid test as to whether you have led up to the strike correctly, is that the internal enthusiasm in your firm for the fact that you are gung-ho and sticking out is the thing you should be looking for. And if it's not there, you may need to do some re-education, drip through, explain what you're doing. We've been in this business 60, 70 years doing this stuff between us. And the other thing we know that actually stokes internal enthusiasm is when that your people are reading about the debate around your category in the media. And, and if you've got a really thought-provoking point of view, it's likely that the repercussions for your category will be outside of the folks you normally sell to. So it might affect people in lines of business like accounting or HR or legal. You want to use the media, not just the business as usual media, the media outside to get involved with debating whether or not your point of view is valid or not. And again, this gives the feeling of in, to the internal team that you're really making a difference here. And obviously, you want that customer feedback, and you should design this to be gathered before lightning strike and revealed at lightning strike. So just to be clear, there are seven things you need to be considering for an effective lightning strike. First, top-down CEO sponsorship. Second, establish a senior leadership team. Three, appoint a project manager or a strike lead. Four, convince and align your colleagues on your point of view and tactics. Five, secure customer and analyst allies. Six, burn those boats. And lastly, deploy out-of-the-box tactics.
So we're told that this is the year of efficiency. That's got to be true because Mark Zuckerberg told us. But is he just cynically cutting costs to look good in the short term? For many people and for the big leaders in tech, we're just talking about the year of increasing margin. And for those big tech leaders who have decided to enter whole new categories and have then rapidly withdrawn from them, it's a very, very damaging strategy, which is absolutely not the friend of category creation. So even though big guys like Nokia announced 14,000 jobs are going, and you'd think when Huawei's being banned from most central networks, you'd think they would have an opportunity to go and categorize. They, they whack all these people because it's the year of efficiency. But Will, doing these cost reductions to please shareholders, does that damage their chances of being a future category contender? It does. And it sort of beggars belief that Mark Zuckerberg should have come up with the phrase the year of efficiency and simultaneously pursue two very, very ill-advised attempts to be a category leader or a category player. One has absolutely come to nothing at the moment. I think another one shortly will. That has a massively damaging effect on his ability to pursue the slow, steady march of strikes that will allow them to build a new category. So if you look at the metaverse, you know, that whole investment in the metaverse. The black hole. Just a black hole of money and a whole load of people hard and fired, distracting the rest of the business. And then Threads, which is a category play that she's like 20 years late. These are massive distractions from where they need to go next. The optics look a bit confusing. They whack a load of people and their revenues go up. So 21,000 people since autumn of last year whacked at Meta, 17,000 people at Amazon. But meanwhile, Amazon has tripled its profits and reported its highest level of sales since the pandemic. So optically, you know, you could be very simplistic and say, cut people, make more money. Long term, though, is this the right strategy? Yeah, it's short term and tactical. It's not long term and strategic. And long term and strategic is how you have to think if you want to build yourself as a category leader. AI, which is the, the flavor of the moment, people forget you need quite a lot of expensive engineering talent to really differentiate. You go cutting those guys, you really don't have a shot at the next wave of innovation. And of course, you make them available to anybody else who is doing that. So your tactics have just fueled somebody else's strategy. The key lesson here is, it is the year of efficiency, we have to call it that, but let's not confuse efficiency and cost reduction. Being efficient about being lean, right? Efficiency is the friend of category design because it focuses the business, keeps it lean, keeps it agile, moving forward and preventing the entropy that hinders category design. And that entropy, that glue that holds companies where they are, not where they want to be, is massively exacerbated by huge cycles of boom and bust in hiring and attempted category entry. So don't blindly follow the year of efficiency and just whacking a whole load of folks when you're somewhat earlier in your category journey than Mr. Zuckerberg is likely to be a very bad move. Do not cut off the strategic oxygen that drives the category journey. Thank you for listening. If you're working in SaaS and you want to stay ahead of the competition, then we can help with recategorization. Just get in touch. All the contact details can be found in the show notes. And remember, don't be better, be different.